Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another season rewind where we delve into the archives and relive the memories of a past Everton season. Tonight I'm joined by Terry McAllister once again, and for tonight's show we're joined by Matt Jones from the Blue Room podcast. Matt's making his first appearance on the Toffee Blues tonight, so a very warm welcome to him. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Matt. How are you? Very well, lads, yeah. I can't believe it's taken so long, but great to be here. Uh, love all the content you've put out. Always fantastic, so looking forward to getting involved and talking about a memorable campaign. Well, it's funny you say that. Matt's Toffee Blues debut is very well-timed because tonight <laughs> we're going to relive the wonders of the 2013-14 season, as requested by you guys following our last show, where, of course, we look back at 0405. If you haven't watched that one already, be sure to go back and give that a watch and relive some very happy memories indeed. But on to today's show, we're going to be covering, like I say, the 13-14 season. And for you lucky listeners on the podcast, we'll be rounding all that off with an If You Know Your History Everton quiz. But first things first, we'll just have a little bit of chit-chat. It's week three of lockdown. How are you lads holding up? Um. I'll go first. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. I was, I was made for this. Uh, I said on the last show, I could, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be, you know, quite looked after in me, in me job. So, if it was just, a, if it's just a case of, um, you know, staying indoors, not going out, and so on, I think I could go for several months before I started to crack. I've, I've, I've uh, been, I'd, I'd have, I'd have asked for this for Christmas at one point, but. Um, <laughs> But obviously, yeah, I'm in a you know quite a privileged position. Um, not everyone's so lucky, and you know, hope anyone who's who's struggling at the minute, you know, manages to get through it. Um, with regards to what are, you know what we've been doing, um, just watching stuff basically. Like last time, I, I spoke about Tiger King. We watched Tiger King, um, and I was trying to get Max to watch it. I'm sure I hope he's watched it by now. I think everyone, well, I think assume everyone's. Either watch to who's going to watch it or um, is refusing to because of the hype. But I've watched something until I die now. Yeah, I, I, I loved the first season because it was just one of the most well-made football documentaries I've ever seen. And obviously, the second season was a uh, similar levels in quality, but it was like a different sort of thing. Like you saw different, a different sort of scope. Um, not scope. Sorry, you saw a different sort of angle on yes. things. It's got a more boardroom sort of thing, and at this time, yeah, it's it's far more the upstairs stuff, um, which it did have in the last one, but um, it's more about that and less about the players. And I've just uh, not long finished watching it, and just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant show. Like some good moments in it, some really scary moments. You see what type of things go on. Have you, have you any use watched it or? I've not seen it yet. I think I have. On, yeah, on, on our shows, I, I get under the grief of being a terrible person when it comes to pop culture and. You know what's going on in regards to watching stuff and reading stuff. So I've sort of sheltered myself from from Netflix and stuff for a long time. But but like you said, Terry, it's it's the time to to get stuck into it, isn't it? So I've got that. I've got the Tiger King to to, to watch over the next few days. But yeah, it's, I think I think like you said, it's just at the moment it's just trying to keep everything in context, isn't it? You know, you, you sit there and you might feel a little bit a little bit glum. You might be getting a little bit stir crazy. You might be wanting to get outside and or, or go to the booze and that sort of stuff. But You've got to sort of, all you have to do is turn on the telly or turn on the news to see what's going on in the world at the moment. You know, my missus is a doctor who works up at Western Hospital. She's you know, at the forefront of it and on the front line of it every single day. And 
you know, sometimes she comes over work and doesn't even want to talk about it, which is fair enough. So I think me personally, I'm sort of reminded of the gravity of the situation quite a lot. Um, you're reminded of what's going on with certain people out there. So it's a bit, you know, it's it's not the best situation. We're all missing the footy, obviously, but I'm just gonna have to grin and bear it for a while and like like Seth gets stuck into some Netflix stuff for mentalized eyes a good way to cure your football uh yeah. withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, well I've heard Jack Roswell comes across great in that in the first season anyway, so I'll uh I'll get stuck into it, obviously being yeah. being tongue in cheek there, but um and I've seen some videos of the, the second season where it's very David Brentish character from what I yeah. can gather. Um this is the new owner or something like that. Charlie Fisher or something, it was it? Method or something. Like he's, yeah. I think he's, I think he's there at Elstone. I don't like he's. He's a Suntan Charlie. Yeah, Suntan Bob. He's not there's a, a, there's a job at the rugby league waiting for him after he's finished the Sunderland. He's like, oh, you know, if there was a main character, it would be him. Um, to be honest, there's a lot of like the first season, even more so. But there's, there's still a lot of ex Everton all over it. Like this second season, they made Oviedo look like Roberto Carlos in it because he's playing one, and they've made McGeady look like Cristiano Ronaldo at some points because he's just just terrorising teams. But um, yeah, there's some there's some really good you know behind the scenes stuff about what goes on at football clubs. I mean, it, you cringe it, and you just know. Some of this has gone on at Everton under past regimes and, and hopefully not this regime. But, you know, you see a transfer deadline day and what goes on with that. And it is, you see, so it's as bad as you can imagine with phone calls and then just upping the bids. And, you know, it's not as sophisticated as you might think it is just like phone calls and texts and more, more, less, more yeah. about him. And it's, yeah, it, but it's, uh, you, you got it uh, wrong there, James. I, I swear it doesn't cure your football withdrawal. It makes it worse. Because you don't half miss it when you're watching football and like the uh, the highlights of the games that they've got makes you pine for it even more. No, I, I, that's why I just go and play FIFA afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, yeah, Sunderland to Lies is a really good watch, Matt. It's uh, yeah. I think there's a there's a highlight of man, and I think I won't spoil it for you, but it involves a uh, Lamine Kone and a pair of sandals. So. <laughs> God, former God terrorised Everton, didn't he, in that game all those years ago? Remember yeah. that night, vividly, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. Nearly oh, no. player, wasn't he? That was the uh, yeah, really was. quite close to signing. That's no right, idea man. where he is now. No idea. I don't think I want to know. Probably somewhere <laughs> on the beach with them sandals. Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, it's not that season we're going to be looking back on <laughs> today. It's going to be a slightly more, let's say, positive one. I think we'll all remember this season very fondly. On that note, we'll start with Matt to give us a bit of context. How do you remember feeling, Matt, in the summer of 2013 about when Martinez was appointed and what were you expecting going into the season? I just remember feeling really weird because, because you know, for, for me, my match going to life as, as an Evertonian, as someone who sits here as, as a 30 old fella, was David Moyes. Every time I'd gone to the, to the game with my mates, every time I'd had a season ticket, I'd, I'd go to a bar. It was David Moyes on the sidelines there. I remember walking away from the, the last home game the previous season when we played West Ham, we won 2-0. And they, they played really well that day and there's a lot of goodwill about, there's a lot of good feeling about. And it was just it was just a peculiar feeling knowing that next time he went into that ground that this fella was not going to be there again. And it wasn't a sense of, you know, a, a club icon was leaving or anything like that. It was just a case of, well, what are we going to do now? You know, Everton don't lose managers. Everton don't sack managers at this point. 
So it, it was interesting. I think looking back, I was somebody who quite liked the idea of Martinez coming in. I quite liked the idea of having somebody come in who would be a little bit braver in bigger games, would play a bit more expansive football, maybe put put his arms around the club and give us all a big metaphorical hug when we needed it most after after David Moyes left it to go to Manchester United. So mainly it, it just all felt a bit weird, but I, I was quite excited by by what was to come. And obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about the signings in a bit, but the likes of Lukaku coming in, Gerard Delafeu coming in, even James McCarthy at that point was a, a younger up-and-coming player. It, it felt as though the club was was out in the direction a little bit and going in, in a potentially exciting direction. So mainly a little bit weird, but, but optimistic about what was going to potentially come next. Certainly, I think I remember... I'm not sure if any of you guys remember the first press conference when uh, Bill Kenwright sat down next to Martinez and said that he was going to get us in the Champions League. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, Martinez is great suit. Absolutely outstanding. He had a, he had a full he head was, of hair he, at that he, point he, as well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. He, was look, he was looking proper sharp, wasn't he, on that first <laughs> one? Yeah, but yeah, it, 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 was, it was an interesting one, that, wasn't it? Because I think he threw Roberto under the bus a little bit, didn't he? Um, Ken Wright by saying that because I think Martin has said that he wanted European football he wanted to get into the Champions League eventually and then Bill sort of cut across his, his answer and said this fella said we're going to get in the Champions League <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. it's just like it's vintage Ken Wright really when you think about it just making it all a little bit more theatrical than it maybe needs to be yeah absolutely but yeah it was it was just a bit mad seeing some, like I said sort of seeing somebody else up there just the the visual sensation of it was was peculiar, but dead exciting. You know, he, he looked the business, he, he talked the business as well. So I was excited for that first game, definitely. That was it for me, as like you said before, I was my sort of lifetime of supporting Everton up until that point was David Moyes as manager. I first started watching about two thousand and two. His first full season, really. That was the first season I can remember and I can vaguely remember Walter Smith, but all I'd ever seen, like I say, when I went to Goodison, was seeing David Moyes on the touchline. I'm not sure, Terry, if you could um, recall any sort of time before Moyes. Did you go to any games in the early 2000s? You know what? No, my, my experience is exactly the same as yours. I, I was Moyes. I was a, a child of the Moyes era. Like I, um, I'm 30, so I, I obviously... You know, was around for pre-Moy stuff, but I got into football quite late. I got into football in secondary school, so I um I literally only ever knew Moyes like that same season that you're talking about the um first full Moy season with you know Rooney breaking through and what have you. Um, when it came time, you know, when he this summer that we're talking about though, I, I mean, Moyes had done a good job at Everton, but I, I I personally had gone a little bit stale on him. Like I didn't, I wasn't like you know desperate for him to go, but I was when he was leaving. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm ready for something new, just because he's been there so long. We've sort of you know floated around the same, you know, parts of the table for the whole time. We've had some good players, but I, I felt like we're sort of nearly men. We keep getting to like semi-finals and and stuff like that, and never actually you know kicking on. So I was a, uh, I was almost in a way happy that he was going. I'm you know excited to see something new, something fresh. And I, d- I did like Martinez, I, and that's, I won't lie and say it was based on his football or anything like that. I just thought, and I think we all got this as soon as after he got here, but I liked the way he spoke. He came across really well. You know, like we came, you know, eventually he did that to everyone. He would talk people into bed, couldn't he? he was, you know, <laughs> while, there was, while the results were right, he had the gift of the gab. You know, he, everyone loved him. And I think a lot of people, you know, as time went on, you know, went in too much on him. But, um, 
the summer was just crazy because it was the first summer under a new manager that I'd experienced and and it, and it's definitely the first one for a long time. But then, obviously, we can talk about the players he brought in on the deadlines after the season had already started. But he, he almost had an influx. I think it was all in the same week or the same few days. He brought in a lot of his ex-Wigan players. He brought in, you know, Joe Robles, but he was from Atletico, but he'd been on loan at Wigan. Alcaraz and Kone. And then uh, Jared Delefeu on loan. And, and it was just so strange that we were signing multiple players at the club. Because it's, it's 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 not now, you know, in the modern context. But back then, Moyes would do one, maybe two deals a, a, a summer. And they'd take ages. And, like, transfer windows were not something that you got excited for. Because, you know, you'd be linked with all the players in the world. But you'd only get one, that kind of thing. Whereas this was a complete turnaround. And although they weren't all exciting players... Telefeu, you know, definitely got tongues wagging because he was this well back Master then prospect. Yes. Yeah, he was like you know Ansu Fati now, you know, like you know he just he'd see maybe not to that degree, but you know this wonder kid from from um, Barcelona who we strictly have not got a buyout clause on, which means oh yeah he's so good the Barca are not letting him go. So it was just I was really like you know geez up in the summer going oh, this is going to be different this and I'm looking forward to you know this season it's going to be. St- you know what we haven't had before, and yeah, I was I was excited. I wasn't glad to see Moyes go in the strict sense that I didn't like him, but I was I was ready for him to go. I think it's a good point you made there. Like you wants to see something different, and maybe that we didn't get past the final hurdle in a lot of those semi-finals. It's worth remembering in the fi- Moyes' final season, we went out to Wigan in the cup to Martinez's Wigan, who then went on to win the cup. So maybe I think the fact that Martinez was coming in, having gone that step further that Moyes couldn't do with Everton maybe gave us a bit more optimism that he could maybe take an Everton side, which was superior to the Wigan side he was managing before, maybe take us to a cup final, win us a cup that Moyes never managed to do. I'm not sure if that's what you guys were feeling at the time. Yeah, I think he's, he's shown himself throughout his career, hasn't he? You know, sort of looking beyond this 13-14 season to be a thoroughly on any given day can set up a side to beat any side. And, you know, we'll speak about no doubt, games in this season, most notably the Arsenal one, um, which is obviously the anniversary of today. It's mad to even think that that was six years ago. Absolutely insane, really. But, um, you know, putting Lukaku on the right wing and that sort of stuff. And he's done similar things with, with Belgium, obviously, in, in the World Cup as well. He did it in his later seasons when things weren't going particularly well at Everton. You know, remember the, the Chelsea quarterfinal where Ron ran them ragged that night. He's always been capable of doing that. Um, but I think that the thing with Martinez, which ultimately came to you know, to, to roost at Everton was that the more he got a grip of the club, the more is, you know, he got under Everton's skin and, and fingernails, the more it sort of all unraveled. And while you'd have the odd good performance here and there, you'd have you'd have a Chelsea um, you know, in the cup, you'd have another good display, you'd have a West Ham, you'd have a Bournemouth where you're free to up in injury time, you'd have a Chelsea where you're free to up in injury time, you'd have a Sunderland and, and a Liverpool away. So I think there was always that with him, but obviously the the cup the cup factor was was interesting and you know, as I'm sure, again, we'll go on to talk about it. In that first season, and certainly the first few months of that season, it just felt like a, a perfect mesh between the stability that Moyes had put in place, the foundations Moyes had put in place, and just this little sprinkling of stardust that, that, that he put on things. And it was it was a perfect amalgamation of, of what we want to see as Evertonians. Definitely. And I think we went into that, um, obviously, we went through the pre-season and it was quite interesting. I went to a couple of the pre-season games and it was a pretty good watch some of the games it was like a bit more entertaining which maybe 
gave you a bit of optimism. And then we went into the away game at Norwich on the opening day. I'm not sure if you guys can remember going into that game. How you yeah, I went to that one. Yeah, how, went down how, to that. How did you feel about what you saw on the day? Obviously, we drew two apiece, but how did you feel about the performance? Obviously, the goal that Barkley scored, which was immense. Yeah, it was. I think the thing that was spoken about a lot afterwards was the goal which Coleman scored to put us two one up that day. Him and Leighton Danger in the six yard box, and he sticks that in the back of the net. And it was almost like, well. This is this is how we're going to be. This this is what Everton are going to play. Like we're going to have adventurous fullbacks. We're going to have young players. We're going to pile forward, and you know it's it's interesting. You know, even when we look back at this season fondly, and even that game, I probably look back on fondly because of Ross's goal and because of Coleman's goal and the celebrations that followed. That there are the little bits of Everton that still sprinkled in there. You know, Stephen Whitaker scored after slicing the ball. To Ricky, oh, Van Ricky Van Wolfsprinkel, yeah, and you know he, he nodded one in, and then Whitaker himself scored after hitting the post and the ball bouncing back perfectly to him. And you know, even even in this season, we reflect strongly on the still those moments where you go, yeah, th- this is Everton, and that that was still Everton. But it, it was I was encouraged by by sort of what I saw that day. It was it was a bit of a weird when you think about this season and what came afterwards. You can sort of rattle off the team. As you go, you know, you know the players that played in you know every week. You know the players that played in that Arsenal game and some of the big performances. But in those first three games, I think we had uh, Norwich, then we had West Brom at home, which we drew nil nil, didn't we? Then we drew nil nil at Cardiff as well. After that, it was this mishmash of, of players. We didn't know if Fellaini was going to be staying. We didn't know if Baines was going to be staying at that point as well. Yelovich played up front, and um, Delafay was on the bench. Naismith was in and out to the side, and it just it just felt like in those first three games that we were watching something that wasn't quite complete and ready yet. And then Definitely we... remember the car remember the Cardiff game was very much an indicator of that where we just didn't seem to be clicking at all. Mm. Remember I think Victor Anachibi was still there then as well, wasn't yeah. he? I think he missed a good chance in the West Brom game and there was a lot of um well, I think the midfield for that first game against Norwich was Fellaini and Osman. Was the, the two mm. lads who, who sat was, deepest. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and and when you think about you know Gareth Barry and James McCarthy weren't even at the football club at that point, but they were, you know, essentially at the nexus of this team, weren't they, for the course of the campaign? So, it, even in those first three games, it evolved so much into what it was eventually going to become. So, it is a little bit peculiar to think back on, on those matches, really. But certainly, Ross with a marauding run forward and slamming one in from distance. Certainly, McCollman sticking one in from the you know the six yard box, which I think he did a lot this in this campaign. There were sort of some signs of, of what was going to come. Yeah, but obviously we knew. What ended up coming along was the transfer deadline day when we brought in James McCarthy and Gareth Barry and Romelu Lukaku both on loan, which, uh, of course, irked Daily Mail's Martin Samuel, if anyone remembers that article, the infamous yeah. loan yeah. sham article, I think. I remember, getting, I remember getting really, like, I, I, I felt, I took the bait on that, I'm not going to lie, I really, like, kicked off in the comments on that, and I think they... They were dark days when we were still reading the Daily Mail, that. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, I, I remember the article and just absolutely fuming because it was like, is they were trying to suggest that our decent season didn't count almost. And I remember like, uh, like it's like people saying like we're not allowed to win because we signed some players on loan. But the fact of the matter is, at that time, we, there was no machinery at this stage. We still had to make ends meet just about and bring players in on a shoestring and in fairness to Roberto Martinez he brought three players in he spent 13 million on McCarthy and then the other two were brought in on a loan and 
that was really good business. Those three players, like you say, turned out to be linchpins of this team. I'm not sure if you guys were... I mean, this, these were back in the Halcyon days of, like, transfer deadline day on Sky and all the hoo-ha that came with that. And it, I don't know if you were watching the deadline day updates and stuff. Like, I remember going to bed thinking, oh, for God's sake, we haven't got a striker again. And I think Jelovic was misfired. And, and then I woke up the next day and there's Romelu Lukaku holding the Everton shirt. So... They were like it was quite an interesting transfer deadline day, that's for sure. I'm not sure if what your guy you guys had like sort of memories of that deadline day. Yeah, I mean it was definitely the best one we've ever had. Like it, it, it's overblown and like you know too much is made of it, but I remember that one quite clearly because you know I mean it'll probably go back to this when when the um, deadline goes back to the end of August, but it sort of felt like, and Matt alluded to it before, that like your season sort of doesn't start until after the international break when it's the deadlines there because you have like those three games, but your transfers aren't complete yet. And obviously, our team dramatically changed on you know on that deadline day. But I worked in um, in retail at the time, and I was finishing at five o'clock, and the last person I saved in the day was Tony Bellew. Come in with it, you know, like, and you know, he's he sound Tony. I was talking to Tony about, about, about Everton, and he was kind of saying, like, oh, Chip will do anything. He was like, oh, I don't know. And I was basically fishing because I knew he was like trained at you know, Finch Farm and stuff like that. But he gave nothing away, but he went, I'm getting home to watch it myself now. So I get home from work, and it's about half five, quarter to six. And I say to yeah, I've been like checking it on the slime work all day, and I say to brother, is there anything like going on? Like, is like, he going, no, nothing. And then within half an hour of, of me getting back in I've just finished my tea it starts to kick off you know we had Fellaini was um, protracted and he ends in a transfer request and he goes to Man United then we've got James McCarthy he's coming um, and it's you know he's coming and he's basically replacing Fellaini in the squad as the midfielder um, and um, Dave Whelan's on the phone to Sky Sports and talking about <laughs> selling him and like you know he's Flipping in that he broke his leg in a cup fight <laughs> and all that. Oh. Gareth Barry came out of nowhere. Like he honestly, he, it was such a surprise transfer. He hadn't been linked to us in the um, in the summer so far. It was just a random one that popped up. But then late in the evening, we started getting linked to Romelu Lukaku, and it was just. But then we were so were West Brom. West Brom were linked with them on loan as well. And it was a sort of willy wonty, you know, which one's he going to go to? And obviously, you know, we're much bigger than West Brom, but he had obviously been at West Brom the season before. And it was just prolonged and prolonged and prolonged. And, and you know, people are refreshing, like, you know, their browsers and stuff, and everyone's glued to Sky Sports News. And then eventually it's confirmed that Romelu Lukaku's coming to Everton. Everyone's like overjoyed dancing in the streets, but then. <laughs> Rest prom get Victor and Ichibi instead. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if I thought I was getting Lukaku. All <laughs> the West Brom fans went to sleep that night and mm-hmm. do not know. Well, that, again, though, that was like brilliant business, though, because like we were struggling for money at the time. We bring Lukaku in on a loan deal and sell him for about six or seven million, if I remember rightly, which yeah. was added a bit of money to the coffers, which you know might have helped us bring Lukaku in permanently the next summer. I think that night was the, I, I'm sure you guys follow him now, Christophe Terreur from Hetlaston News, you know, the Belgian football journalist. I think yeah, that was oh, where yeah. he, that was where he really shot a prominence. Because I remember being, I was at my mum and dad's that night, and my dad was on Twitter then, and he was going, and, and Sky had a West Brom reporter at the West Brom's training ground, he was saying, 
He's on his way to the Hawthorns. He's going to be signing for West Brom. And Christophe Terreur, who didn't have too many followers on Twitter at that point, was, you know, Belgian football journalist. He was getting shared a lot by, by Evertonians because he was saying, no, he's not going to West Brom. He's coming to Everton. And he was just getting shared and he maintained it all the way through. And then obviously he, he ended up with, with the Blues in the end. It was sort of like, well, this fella's obviously got, got great connections in, in Belgian footy. But just it's funny you mentioned Bellamy there because that summer I... I went over and spoke to him in Peacock in town. I was a bit, little bit worse for wear. He was, he was in there with, with his mind. So I sort of walked over, and, you know, ushered through. I was like, I just want, just want to speak to him. I was like, yeah, I totally like, you know, Bevy in the hand and all that. And sort of said, uh, who, who do you want the next manager to be? And he said, um, Phil Neville. I just walked straight, just walked straight off, yeah. <laughs> didn't, yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't carry the conversation on it anymore after that. Yeah, I'm sure you won't mind me saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just tried to think of the one person who you'd just be so upset with him that you'd walk away from. Him. Yeah, he's probably speaking what this what this idiot away from you as soon as possible. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, but obviously um, we end up with Lukaku, Barry, and McCarthy joining on the deadline day. And the first game after that is a home game against Chelsea. We've drew every single game so far. We're in the bottom half actually, and Jose Mourinho has just come back to Chelsea, and we beat them one nil. And that that one really surprised me. I, I never actually watched the game. I was busy that day, and I just remember reading that we'd won the game one 0 And I thought, how we managed that one? We couldn't beat Cardiff and West Brom, and like obviously I'd never seen what the performance was like. And of course, Gareth Barry on his debut made a clearance off the lines, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That 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 moment just endeared Barry to the supporters straight away. He, he he couldn't have even known, but it was just that commitment that, like you know. You know, busting a gut to save the game, the goal. He immediately, he was an Everton player from the minute he'd done that. But um, was Stephen Naismith scored the goal in that game? It was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that was um, it was it, it definitely felt like the season started there. I mean, it it might have come back to bite us at the end of the season with the points tally, but those first three games just felt like a sort of I don't know, like still, still like pre-season, really. Yeah. Yeah, still past the pre-season almost because we were playing with players that we weren't going to use and and whatnot. But I mean, the season like you know kicked on from there, didn't it? Let's be honest. I think, I think that's it. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry go I was just going to say, I remember that performance being it was it was like watching um, Moyes, sorry Everton under Moyes again. I think for the first three games it was very much like this is something we're doing. It's going to be new. We're going to try and play out from the back, and it's all it's going to take a while to get used to. It's going to take a while for these lads to, to take these messages on board. And while it was frustrating that we drew two games nil nil and we didn't win at Norwich, it was sort of like, well, yeah, we we expected this. We we knew it was going to be a bit like this. Well, I remember that day at Goodison. It was almost, you know, Chelsea had some good players there. And obviously, you know, they, they done a lot of business in the summer. I remember the Everton started trying to play out from the back early on, and that's where our two chance comes from, doesn't it? Initially, I think it's Howard who gives the ball straight to him, or there's a bit of a miscommunication. Gareth Barry gets in, but throughout the game, it sort of just organically went back to. It was almost like a lot of the players, and they just went back to the muscle memory from last season and thought, "This is how we've got good results against um, good teams at this ground in the past. Let's just let's just quickly for this one game go back to that." And they battled and they scrapped and they went a bit more direct. And the goal actually comes from a deep cross, doesn't it? And Jelovic gets to the byline. Great header back and Naismith's there. And it, it felt like for that one game, just to sort of, you know, like the blue touch paper a little bit, that 
then everything went back to, to what they knew. And a lot of those players in the side went back to the muscle memory of, of David Moyes. And, and that ultimately proved the catalyst for Roberto Martinez getting his message across a little bit quicker. That's definitely a good point, actually, because it was. I remember Mourinho actually kicking off about the way we played in the second yeah. half. Yeah. Like, I think we were we already had the goal and we were sitting on it. And obviously, Mourinho threw a bit of a hissy fit in the presser afterwards. And then it was on to West Ham at Upton Park. And I mean, this is what I really remember. This was a great game. Uh, Leighton Baines scores two free kicks. Alec Kevin Sheedy won in each corner. And uh, Lukaku gets a winner on his debut. So it was. You really couldn't have asked for much more from that game. And, and Mark Rupert got sent off as well. Oh, yeah, well, that's that just adds <laughs> on the tape early, isn't it? But let me say as well, just, just before we you know crack on with more games, not only did like Martinez bring in all these new players, now obviously, you know, the three on deadline, they became, you know, settled first teamers, and like less so, you know, Alcaraz and Robles and Kone and whatever. Yeah. But he also brought through um, into the team, you know, Stones and Barkley. Now, they'd obviously been around before him, but they weren't first-teamers, and all of a sudden, it was how many new players were in the team from the Moyes team. If you looked at the Moyes teams from like the year before or the years prior, there was at least five or six players new in the team like and a new manager, so it really was a brand new... like It was you know it was fresh, it was new. It was young players, it was flair players, it was, an, you know, it was Moyes' defence mm-hmm. with a top striker up front. It just had everything going for it. I just and it was uh, the only thing that sort of tars this season for me, which we haven't touched on, is that fucking badge. That <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the yeah. one, the best season in, in like you know for absolute years. Um, all the highlights and all the everything you just see that Fisher Price badge that we had for that one season. It's absolutely shocking. I don't like I don't like the kit at all from this season either. Like when oh, I when I knew when I knew we were gonna be talking about this today, I went I went back and watched the, the season one of the season reviews on YouTube and just remember I was looking at them thinking I don't remember thinking the kit was that bad at the time, but watching it back again it, it is pretty horrendous. I didn't oh, mind the yellow one. No, the again looking back, I, I'm always a massive advocate. I think Everton away kit should be yellow, but I thought that yellow outfit was fucking horrific to be oh, honest. Oh I didn't mind the yellow one. I didn't mind the other one too much. The home one was a bit, was, I, I wasn't a fan of, but didn't mind. The other one makes me think of the Villa game, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about in a bit, which, which I really like. It's the one we're moving on to next, actually. We've got, um, obviously, we go to Villa Park and win 2 0. Lukaku scores and Leon Osman scores. But of course, before all that, Christian Benteke has a penalty saved by Tim Howard. I think which sparked rapturous. Applause in the away end. I'm not sure if any of you guys were at the ground. Yeah, I, I went to loads of away. It's probably the most I've ever been to in, in a season. So I went to West Ham away. Probably the fav- favourite away I've ever done that one at, at Upton Park. It was, it was they, they won that game. Maybe quite similar to, to the Watford one this season, where you think Everton don't win games like that. That's that's not how you know this football club has sort of put in my DNA that they win football matches. It was a very un-Everton way to win the game, where you, you know you two one down, you get into the last twenty minutes, you, your new signer comes on and scores the winning goal late on. You've got a fellow who scores two free kicks, but the, the Villa one, I think, I remember Barkley started that day and didn't have the best first half. He had a shot from miles up that was deflected and hit the bar, but but Everton didn't play well. And at that point, even then, he was still sort of like this golden boy. You know, he had a great start to the season. He's been talked up as an you know an England player and all that. And in that game, I'm, I'm, he either got dragged off on 50 minutes or dragged off on half time. Martinez brought Osman on for him. It just changed the game. And you know, you mentioned Tim Howard there as well. And 
one of the things I was thinking about this season, I think this game in particular sort of highlights it, is that every every lad who played a decent amount of first team games in in this season, they, they all seem to make big contributions. You know, we've already mentioned Stephen Naismith. We talked about Leon Osman there. We'll come on to talk about others who, who came into the side as well. It felt like every one of the players, maybe the the 16, 17 players who made up the first team squad this season, they all had a moment in that season where they could point back on and go, "Look at that! I I, I contributed there." Yeah, that's I what think, made it. That's what made it such a you know sort of a, a feel good story for us all. I think. Feel good. I think the team effort always seems to that always makes you feel a lot better when you see the whole team pulling yeah. the weight. And I thought a lot of the Moyes teams had that, but this team seems to have it in abundance. Where even the fringe players were turning it on. And I think yeah, I think that added to the season as well. I'm not sure um, if you remember the the games that followed the. Aston Villa won. I think we went into a little bit of a blip after that, to be honest. There was a nil-nil at Palace. And Did we have a Tottenham at home, we drew? Tottenham at home, that was a nil-nil. There was a couple there of nil-nils, a couple of dull games. And then up next was the Merseyside derby at Goodison, which I went to, actually. And it was, uh, without a doubt, and I mean, I know we've won games and I've got fond memories of derbies from the 2000s when I was younger. But for a neutral, that was the best Merseyside derby I've ever seen. It was incredibly exciting, and unfortunately, they got a late win, a late equaliser. So, but it was such a topsy turvy game. There was a point where I think Joe Allen misses a sitter, and they could have gone about three one up, four one up, something like that. But um, yeah. obviously, we come back. Lukaku scores two, and then uh, Daniel Sturridge scores. So, but it, it was one of them, and I remember that three all this, and this is what really defined that season for me is that. Sturridge had scored, it was 3-all. Liverpool had another chance after that. I think Tim Howard made a good save. And then even then, I remember Delufeu legging it towards the goal at the Gladys end in, in like the 93rd minute, trying to get a fourth, whereas obviously David Moyes in the past would probably have accepted a 3-all draw in a Merseyside derby. And I thought, we're still trying to win this. This is brilliant. Yeah, I was. Uh, I remember thinking that that the the tactics for Martinez were just so brave compared to the type of things that Moyes are doing. Derbies. Um, didn't Baines get, didn't Baines get a knock or a pull or something? And he uh, a bit, no Jordan Jordan Henderson stamped on him. I'll have you know, uh, <laughs> got his ankle in. Well, Baines went off, didn't he? And instead of just bringing on a like for like replacement, didn't he put? I, I remind me, I'm not a hundred percent, but didn't he put like Gareth Barry at left back and bring another yeah. attack? Play it on. He brought Delafeu on and it changed the game. And everyone just couldn't believe it because it was a t- an attack and change against Liverpool, which just this is what I mean. Like Moyes was a good manager for Everton, but everyone had got very used to his, you know, his his quirks and the type of things that he'd do. And this was just an um, it was like a slug a slug fest, you know, Liverpool v Everton. They were trying to beat each other, and and I think didn't um, Suarez have a, have a winner or, or another goal ruled out? Um, no, I think that was, that was a couple of years before. Yeah, but I remember after Sturridge equalised in the three all, I think Howard palmed ahead of him Suarez onto the bar or something. Yeah, yeah. Martin is, and Martin then from puts... that went for a corner, I think. And then I think from the corner, Delafeu started legging it to try and get a fourth. And like the last Ma- second, it was mad. Martin has brought stones on for his debut in that game. To sort of just go and play right back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he brought him brought him on late on, and Suarez just pulled off him at the back post. That it was at the park end, and he he, he lashed the left footed shot just over. But I remember as well, like I said, Jerry picked up the ball, ran forward, and McCarthy's got it like on the right side of the Gladys Street, and he's trying to get a shot away, and it's just a bit bit frantic. But 
Yeah, of all the derbies, and obviously we've had so many bad memories, and that's the one you look at and you think, oh, that, that should have been our day, that. That, that. that should have been our day, you know. You start striker scoring a bullet header at the Garda Street end, having come back. You know, everyone was going absolutely insane. They played really well. The manager was brave. It's the one I look back at and think, that we really should have should, that. that should have been our day. That you know, we don't you know, we barely score in these games anymore anyway. But you know, to score a late goal like that against them, it, it was so disappointing we didn't see it out. And it, it comes off Sturridge's shoulder, doesn't it, as well? The equaliser. Um what, VAR was a cancel and they say <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I remember the overriding emotion immediately afterwards, you know, you know, that point I hopefully thought, you know, we go and beat Liverpool again soon. And obviously it's been it's been ten ten years since we last beat them. That was only three years ago at the time, but the overriding emotion was just bloody hell. They played well there. They, they really played well in that game. Simon Mignolet was was man of the match. Uh, the the attack. They should have scored loads more goals. And it was just it was refreshing to see them be sort of unbowed and, and untamed in a Merseyside derby, having had years of, like you said of of David Moyes being you know ultra pragmatic and ultra defensive in these sorts of games. But even now, you know, watching the highlights of that today and. You know, seeing Ron's dreadlocks flying in the air as he as he gets up to, to head that ball at the God Street end, it's it's one I look back at and think, fucking hell, that should have been our day. But definitely, the, my last the memory of that is like Delafay legging it at the Gladys with like thirty seconds to go. Osman had a shot blocked or something, and I'm just thinking, this is such a refreshing change of mentality. Mm. And then obviously the game after that, we had like I say, we had a bit of a dull spell before that derby, and then after that, I think we beat Stoke four 0 I think we beat Hull. And then it's to Manchester United at Old Trafford, where we hadn't won at that point in 21 years. And mm. um, Brian Oviedo pops up, who, of course, was the standing for Baines after he got injured in the derby. And he pops up on the back stick and slots one in, 87th minute or something like that. And obviously, I think I remember the, the videos of the smoke bombs in the away end at Old Trafford and everything. It was a, they were brilliant times. And it, not sure if you guys were like watching this game. Anyone go with the match? Anyone? Yeah, I was there that night. Yeah, it was, it was oh. wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it just—I've never heard an away end take a big collective breath as much as when that ball just ambles across the six-yard box. And you you realise then that Brian Oviedo is running onto it. Um, it was it was insane, and I, I think I think this game in particular. I remember at the time being on eighty minutes and thinking we. Been a bit disappointed about they played overall. I don't, I don't, you know, if you compare it to the Arsenal game that came up later that week, they played well better at Arsenal. You know, they controlled the ball better, they created more chances, they were they were more aggressive. I think in, in this game it was, it was a little bit weird. They didn't really know whether to fully go for it or not. They had chances, but United hit the post in the first half. I think it was Rooney or Van Persie, one of them from the edge of the box. Welbeck hit the bar in the second half of the head that he should have scored, but it's all about the moment, isn't it? That that's that's all the you remember now. That that moment, that that ball, and I, I love goals like that. It's to reference that Watford game again earlier in the season where like you know, yeah, the ball drops the wall because you can sort of see what's going to happen two or three seconds before it actually happens, and, you, and you're ready, and you're in the away end, and you are primed to just go when that ball is the back of the net, and it was a bit like that. Better still, in both of those cases with me was I was watching it on a dodgy stream that was a few <laughs> seconds behind. The ball stops as it comes to Oviedo and then my phone buzzes to tell me that there's been a goal and I'm just like, get in. Yeah, because the, the away end at United as well, like, anyone doesn't know. So, as you, I'm sure everyone's seen the replay of that goal loads of times. Oviedo just comes out of nowhere from the left, left side of the screen, doesn't he? But when you're in the away end there, you can sort of see it all transpiring. So, you could see a long time before you could on the telly that he's about to run to that and just, just slot it away. So, 
just an incredible moment. Yeah, um, absolutely loved it. One, you know, you know, even now you just look at it and think a, a winner, a, you know, the top six club in inverted commas for, for Everton is just so rare. Um, so certainly look back at that night and cherish it. And you know, like like I, like I said earlier, another lad who who got his chance this season and and, and took it. You know, obviously started against Stoke, scored a great goal with his right foot, and then scored one of the, the biggest goals in, in Everton's modern history. You've got to say with this one, so. Another lad who was emboldened by Martin, as emboldened by his positivity, and, and really seized his chance in the side. I think we talk about the difference in mentality. It was it really come to come home to roost in that game because obviously we were up against David Moyes, who'd just left. He tried to low ball us for Baines, Fellini, and whatnot, and he made a few derogatory comments against the club. Who I give him a lot of goodwill. Let's not forget when he left in the summer. And I think that hurt a lot of fans, and I think. The fans really couldn't help themselves but rub it in when we got that win because not only was it getting one over on Moyes, who'd insulted maybe the club, and I think he'd said a few things about Martinez in the build-up to that as well, saying that they don't need a manager, the team can manage itself, it's not to do with Martinez and such and such. And I remember the not only getting one over on Moyes in that respect, but also getting the win ourselves by means of shifting away from Moyes' maybe defensive mentality, which was, and I think that's the night when we coined the song Stuck With Moyes, Stuck With Moyes, Man United. Uh, wonderful. And uh, yeah, that was, it, was, it was an absolutely fantastic night. And then, like you say, we go to the Emirates. That was in midweek, the United game. And then the Sunday, we go to the Emirates. And we go a goal down, and within two minutes, we've equalised and... I think that's that's only half the story because I can remember this game very well. It was on the telly and I remember like Thierry Henry was one of the pundits, of course, and ex-Arsenal player. And he was absolutely raving over how well we were playing. We were dominating Arsenal on their own turf, which is even as poor as Arsenal have been at times, not many teams go to Arsenal and do that. Yeah, I mean... It was. It was. This felt like the biggest injustice. This game that we didn't win it because we were just dominating like almost throughout. And but I, with the results that we'd got, you know, the way we played against Liverpool and you know, the results at Man United, even when we went a goal down it, for the first time, literally the first time as never Tony, and I felt like ah, we'll get back in this. Like that confidence of it will go right, not it will go inevitably go wrong. Now. You know, history has bore out that that was a that was a one-off feeling. I'm not. I didn't feel that again. <laughs> didn't feel that before or since. But that's that was the sort of confidence that this team that was you know growing at the time had sort of fostered. That you, I, I just felt, I felt like I knew we were going to get you know back into the game. And obviously the um, Telefeu goal, one of the more underrated goals. That just a little you know the the, the way he, he sort of shimmies past the player with the ball and just smashes into the roof of the net. Absolutely quality, but I, I was at that point like, this kid's going to be, he's going to be playing alongside Messi and everything. This kid's quality, and yeah, this was a season for getting carried away, and I got fully carried away. In, in you know, hindsight, I think we can always say, I think a lot of the things that happened in this season were one-offs, really, weren't they? Yeah, I think that's it, it's. I know, sort of, when the Reds do this and you get carried away, and these you, you, you point and laugh and say, you know, it's your year and all that. Obviously, this year it, it is going to be their year, unfortunately, but. I think it, it was nice to feel like that getting carried away, wasn't it? Because I think so often we do always fear the worst. We do think that things are going to go wrong. And, you know, certainly I'm guilty of that. And, you know, maybe as supporters, we should just sometimes say, you know, if Richards is playing dead well, he, he could be one of the best strikers in the world or something similar about Carver Lewin or Holger, you know. 
why, why does it always have to be so serious and a little bit playing ourselves down? But yeah, I think that Arsenal game was where we did all start to feel like, bloody hell, what is going on here? Because it, it, it felt like, because the, the United game wasn't on telly, I don't think. I think you said today, James, you know, we had to get a, a dodgy screen to watch it. Yeah. But I think, you know, we, we'd all been seeing what had been going on. We'd had the Stoke game against the United and won. And then playing dead well at Arsenal, it, it felt like this was the point where the rest of the nation sort of had a look at Everton properly and thought, well, you know, what's, what's going on here? You know, Everton don't go to these stadiums and, and play like that. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, actually, but the, the last kick of the game, Giroud had a ridiculous volley from about 35 yards out. And he, he hit the upright of, um, he hit the corner of Post and Bar. And it, I, I don't know how, Tim Howe just stood and watched it. And it would have been the cruelest late goal we conceded of all time, I think. But yeah, to, to go there and play that well that day was a, was, was a real measure to think of what this side was about and, and set them up for a, for a good Christmas period. Yeah, the Christmas period was brilliant, if I remember rightly. I think we got... A late win over Swansea, I think we from Fulham. There were some mm. brilliant goals in those games as well. I mean, Barkley's free kick, Coleman's goal. Yeah. Some great games. And then obviously. Coleman's celebration at Swansea is a classic, isn't it? Yeah. The knee slide goes a little bit too far, then he just starts volleying the avatars and Hordens because he's yeah. nowhere else to go. Yeah, I think that's one of them. You can just see his kneecap about to explode or something when he flying into that. And yeah, I think. I remember coming into January, though, we had a little bit of a blip. I think we had a couple of bad results, like a draw at Stoke, drew at West Brom. And then, of course, we lose the Derby 4-0, which is an indicator of the con side, maybe, of Roberto Martinez, whereas Cavalier style of play can sometimes end, end, end you up with those kind of results. You can lose heavily if you get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Terry, yeah, it was the first sign that wasn't it of what you know what some of the problems were going to be for Martinez. But it was we rushed players back from injury, hadn't we? And we were playing stones at right back and stuff. And it just, I mean, since since this time, you've obviously started just losing derbies regardless. But it felt it always felt like in derbies, and especially Anfield derbies at that point, that we were always always getting injuries just beforehand, or there was always something that went against us, which hamstrung us. And obviously, you know, now doesn't matter but because we could play it. We could have our team in flying form and, you know, play their women's team and we'd find a way to lose. But at that time, it was just so frustrating because it was like, oh, we've never got like a full team um, in good form going into these Anfield derbies. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was a sickener. But um, just, I, I, that game, I, I, um, I ran late in work. I couldn't get out of work. And I went to a pub, met um, met my brother, and I came and sat down. And I looked at the screen. And I was like, I think it was back when BT had the scores in the bottom left corner mm. rather than in the top right, which you know most TV stations do. And I looked at it and went because I'd, I'd I'd missed the kickoff, and I was like, and it was three 0 and I was like, that's is that the score in the bottom corner? I was like, that can't be the score. I thought maybe we'll be a goal <sighs> down, you know, but. 3-0 and he was just there going yeah yeah it's 3-0 and it was just it was the most I'd have to sit there then for the rest of the game thinking before has he lost what am I doing here why am I even in this pub I could just turn around and walk back out I've been desperate to get there to what, try and catch the beginning of this derby and we were already three down it's just like yeah, it was it just like I mean we've got used to it a bit more now but it was just such a kick in the balls it's like we've got these players back from injury and in time for the game like I think it was Pinar was one of them and they yeah. just they just looked off it and it was um 
I think that was one of the nights as well where Morales was the only one. Like he used to do this a couple. He's done this a couple of times in Derby's where he looked like the only one who wasn't cowed by the occasion. Um, I don't know, but it got better from there. But that's let's say uh, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah well, um, we had a bit of a we carried on with a bit of a bleep. We lost to Spurs and lost to Chelsea, and then after that, Lukaku comes back from injury and we win seven games in a row, mm. which is. As far as Everton are concerned, I think it's the it's unprecedented. Really, I think it's the I think it's the best run we've had since the season we won the league in maybe eighty five or eighty seven. So, I think to go on that kind of winning runs just unthinkable. It certainly is these days. But um, we managed it then, and we won about five in a row going into a game away at Newcastle when uh, Ross Barkley scores an absolute worldy. And in fact, I think every single one of our goals that night was. A brilliant yeah. goal. It was a another fantastic. Like I say, it's a very uncommon these days with Everton. We bemoan it a lot, but that season is full of absolutely brilliant away days. Yeah, there, there were so many. You know that that Liverpool one you mentioned there is obviously probably the, the you know one of the low points. And I think I think it, in fairness, you know, to the, to the lads, to, for them to recover from that that night because not only did we get beat four 0 it could have been. Much worse because Storage misses a penalty, you think, on 55 minutes to make it five, and you're thinking, oh my word, what's going to happen here? Lukaku gets injured by Gareth Barry, doesn't he? Who loses out to Steven Gerrard in the header, who then scores. So it's sort of like all these these classic Everton tropes rolled into one. So, so fair, fair play to the lads for, for for coming back in that sense. But but yeah, that that that, that season, I think, on the away from home, that, that Newcastle game in particular, I think, brings it home more than any for me. That, at times, you looked at our attackers, and I think Delafay you played that night, Barkley obviously, and Lukaku. It was like we just looked well faster than everybody else. You know, like when you bring a new player on on FIFA, and he's got a full energy bar, and he just breezes past the, a tired defender or something like that. It was like that away from home. It's like on the counter attack, he was so good, and you know Moyes had a lot of merits, obviously. But one of the things he never really did was build an Everton team that could really counter attack like that. And you think about Ross's goal that night. You think about Rom's goal that night where Delafay scampers down the left, uh, the right hand side, and, and puts a cross in. We were really, really good on the break, and, and teams couldn't live with us when the game was in transition. And, and obviously, Barkley was was a vital part of that. But yeah, there were some there were some great greater ways. You know, the, the United one stands out. West Ham as well, going down to Fulham in that run of seven games you mentioned there, when it, it gets back to one all, and you're thinking, is, is this going to be the end? And they find a way to dig it out. Stephen Naismith and I think Morales scored the, the the third one that day, and. They just managed yeah. to find a way of, of getting through games away from home, which, you know, in fairness, any Everton team since has been unable to do. Yeah, I think that was a brilliant, another brilliant away to think of Fulham when, of course, Leighton Baines found an ice cream man. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, it, there's just loads of little things in, in this season as well, isn't there, like that? You know, again, I was watching the, the video back before and when when Ross scored the free kick away at Swansea and, and Martinez just puts his hand in the air and he goes, what a fucking goal. And you can you can tell straight away, you know, do you remember how much we dined out on that down the years and how much, and how much we loved it at the time? It was, it was full of nice little moments. The, the Christmas, Ross, the Christmas video, I can't believe we've got to talk about that. Oh my God, the Christmas yeah. video, you know, with, with uh, Lukaku dancing with, um, is it, um, oh, who is it? He's dancing with one of the, who's the kit man? No, it's Jimmy Comer, the, um, yeah. Josie Comer's dad. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, and, and you've got all that sort of stuff going on. And there was such a just, just a great mood around the club. You know, you had Alan Myers there as well, doing fan interaction and having tea parties with with the manager and all that sort of stuff. There was there was just such a great feel with atmosphere around the place in that campaign. 
the, the old club had every, like everything about being an Everton fan that season was just brilliant and like I'm sure <laughs> grand old team or someone was going we're going to ask a question of Roberto Martinez what do you want it to be or it was something like that <laughs> and the tough one was where do you get your shoes <laughs> <laughs> everyone was buzzing off his brown shoes yeah. Bobby like, Brown shoes, yeah. Bobby Brown shoes, yeah. And he donated them to charity at the end of the season. It was just everything was brilliant, wasn't it? That's where that's where it went wrong. That's why when I looked around, when he donated the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, obviously the game after the Fulham one, we're back at Goodison against our top four rivals, Arsenal. And we go into it a crunch match, the kind of game we couldn't afford to lose, and we win three 0 and. It's one of the best performances in. I've been supporting Everton for 24 years, and that's the best performance I've seen in my lifetime. I think we just a top six side, and we completely dominated them from start to finish. It was the most complete display I've seen from an Everton team, and I think it's just the the memories of that game, Lukaku scoring that goal and running over and grabbing Martinez and Coleman doing the keepy ups and. Doing a drag back on Cazorla, I think there was there's just so many many great memories, and of course Arteta had knocked us out the cup and kissed the badge, so then he goes and scores an own goal yeah. at Goodison. I think that was uh, there was just so much from memories from that game alone. It's just it was unbeatable really. It was and obviously it wasn't to get any better than that, unfortunately. But while it lasted, that that game was the height of my time supporting Everton. I'd say. Yeah, I think it's it's one of them, isn't it? It, it wasn't just a, a great all-round performance. It, it was a great all-round performance under pressure because I think going into that game, obviously we we lost to Liverpool and we got out the cup, so we lost to we lost to Tottenham and Chelsea. And it, it it almost felt like like the season's going to be over now. We're going to finish about seventh, probably play some nice footy, probably beat some good sides, but that, you know that that's about that. And the, when I'm that when I'm that great run, and I also come to Goodison Park, and I think. I think they were five points ahead of us, but they played a game more or, or something like that. Um, and effectively, we beat them. It was going to be in our own hands going into you know the last few weeks of the season. And you sort of got the sense going into the game that knowing Everton as we all do intimately, unfortunately, that we would find a way to Everton this and it, it wouldn't go our way. So for Martinez to sort of bring out this, this mad tactic and for the team to play so well under the scrutiny of knowing that this would put the Champions League in, in their hands was... Was amazing, really. Um, yeah, like you said, there's there so many good memories. And it, funnily enough, it was the game after this which made me think that we were going to finish fourth. When they went, up, they went up to Sunderland and played, they played terribly. And they dug out a one 0 win. Delafeu crossed it in and it hit Wes Brown on the arse. It's a goal, to, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it went to the back of the net. We won one 0 and I think that was that, that was the last game of the the sequence, the seven game sequence. It was yeah. But I remember, I remember coming back from that thinking, yeah. That, that is the sort of game a team challenging for the Champions League wins. But, you know, the Arsenal one, a- absolutely, absolutely remarkable. It, you know, the manager's tactics, the atmosphere, the way the team played. You know, I remember um, Barkley squaring up to Arteta as well in that game. And there's that, you know, that famous meme now, isn't it? Sure, sure up, lad. Yeah, there's that one. Yeah, you know, it, it had everything. It had, it had the great performance. The manager got it right. It had a bit of edge about it. We absolutely battered them. And, and it felt like... And, I felt a bit like this last season as well when we beat Man United 4-0. It felt like that game was sort of going to be the start of something and the building blocks of something. It was like, we're going to go somewhere with this fella in charge. You can really feel it. And unfortunately, on both instances, it's uh, it's not been to be. But, but that day, we'll, we'll certainly live long in the memory, yeah. 
definitely. I think it was just days after my 18th birthday. So I think <laughs> I remember I, I had my first, I went to the bar, ordered my first pint. <laughs> and was up on the t- was up on the chairs uh, when uh-huh. the um, when the second goal went in by Lukaku. That was unbelievable. Obviously, that that was probably the height the high points of the season. If in a season full of high points, really, but that was the high point. But obviously, it wasn't to be afterwards. Obviously, the next home game was, and um, let's not forget the scheduled match against Crystal Palace, which we were meant to play back in the February. It was postponed because of wins and. We have to play Palace in midweek, who by this point are in the middle of their great escape. They were bottom of the league. By this point, they, they just climbed out of the drop zone and were in the middle of a brilliant run themselves. And Roberto Martinez, if you'd asked me, this was a, the start of the downfall for me, this game, because he dropped James McCarthy. I'm not sure if you remember that. Yeah. I remember getting the text, like I used to get on my phone, that like, gives you the lineups and... I saw McCarthy wasn't in it. He was playing a four four two, and I was like, "Well, this is a bit out of character." I mean, I I like four four two, and I'm very pleased that Ancelotti's brought it back. But back then, it was unthinkable that Martinez would pick a four four two, and we came unstuck. It was a game where we were we were just off it completely. Do you know what that 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 game in the Palace one? I remember we just got over to um, up to the ground, but it was called off. Uh, for, because of the wind, obviously. I remember being really pleased that it was called off that night because the team had been announced, but we had loads of injuries. I think, like, Morales was out, PR was out, so our wingers were McGeevy and Oviedo. And it, was a bit, it was a bit of, a, like, a, a scratch side. And I remember thinking at the time, like, could be a blessing in disguise this for us to, to, to not have to play in, in, you know, in these conditions against Tony Pulis' side with a, a really, you know, scratch team out. But obviously, it, it all came back to bite us a bit, um, the, the McCarthy decision was just a bit mad. Because th- this game was obviously midweek, wasn't it, as well? And we had United coming up the weekend after. I think it was Easter Sunday we played United. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, sort of got the sense that he was maybe resting him for, for that game and thinking about that. But, you know, Palace at that point, you know, Pulis turned into a bit of a yard dog out with the with counter-attack really well with, with Balassi. I remember him running was absolutely ragged this night. He was un- unplayable. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just... He got it wrong, and there were times during the game where I thought we were going to get back into it. We get back into it at 2-0 down, then we go get it back to 2-1. Then they're 3-1 up, and we get it back to 3-2 later on, and we're trying to get an equaliser. But, yeah, the, the McCarthy decision was just just a bit wild, wasn't it, really? Yeah, where we it was, lost it, wasn't it? It was our game in hand. It was just that, that we needed, you know, like when we won the Arsenal game, we all knew if we beat Palace, we're in fourth, and then it's in our hands, and... It was. It was a. It just wasn't meant to be, was it? I mean, was was this the lighten the uh, the mood of this game? Was the reschedule on the Rick Wee game? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Where did he come from? Like practically the moon, and <laughs> the the the, um, the players and, and like uh, Martinez all like showed him around the dressing room and all that just to get you know make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Foster. Yeah, you got to hang out with Leighton Baines afterwards, I think, didn't he, and all that. Well, that's, that's even more of the you know the feel good stuff that went around the club. That like, just, yeah. you just had the mightiest touch this season for all for anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think Roberto Martinez was a massive part of that. To be honest with you, whether you liked his tactics or not, he was a crack and blow. Mm. Yeah, oh, I mean, when, when we were winning all the games, it, you know, no one has a bad word to say. Everyone was in love with him. Like 
you know, he, he was talking about like early in the season, like I've put pictures up of Everton legends on the wall and, you know, there's ways of winning titles um, that aren't just about money. And, you know, if he's winning matches and seven in a row and all that, then you're going to, you know, eat it up. But, you know, obviously that's when led down the line, those those same platitudes weren't cutting as much ice when we weren't winning. So, yeah. well, like, obviously, but I think with the, from a human point of view, though, I just thought that he was a lot more warm and friendly than the likes of maybe a Moyes and definitely Ronald Koeman who came afterwards. Yeah, well, it's funny you say, I remember we got Henry Winter on the show that season and he, he, we asked him about him and he said that his sources had told him that apparently he couldn't lose it in the dressing room as well and every now and then he could be angry and he could be nasty. So it seemed like he had a bit of a streak to him as well. But yeah, you, I don't think you could, you could have it. You know, managers come in and it's not really something that, that I get too fussed about. You know, a lot of people want to see them embrace the club and, and that sort of thing. And you could never, ever say that Roberto Martinez didn't want to embrace the club with, with what he tried to do, the way he went about it, um, how fondly he spoke about the football club, the football he tried to play at Gullison Park. It was just, I think, that those those sort of things that we sort of, you know, loved him for. When You know, I, I remember when we went to, it was before the United game, actually, um, away from home and before the game he said the result doesn't matter it's all about the performance and at the time you know we were playing really well and we were high up in the table and I remember going to the game we were all like, we were like this fella's this fella's amazing you know he doesn't he doesn't care he's, he's you know he's thinking about football differently this is absolutely brilliant but if you fast forward to two years when the team was struggling if you said something like that you'd be going what on earth is this, is this fella talking about so I think it, it's one of them isn't it you, when when the results aren't going well, you frame things differently, don't you? It's it, it's every football fan does it, but um, you certainly couldn't say Hart wasn't in the right place. Definitely, but obviously I think then obviously we talk about the contrast. It was Man United again, and uh, Kevin Morales scores and Leighton Baines scores a penalty. Of course, the very Leighton Baines that David Moyes pursued vehemently the previous summer. Uh, Everton win and Moyes gets sacked after. A child shows up dressed as the Grim Reaper behind him yeah. in the family enclosure. <laughs> it was a Paddy Power stunt, that wasn't it? Well, wasn't was it a Paddy Power stunt? Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, seems like something they do. Yeah, but that's about right, to be honest. Yeah, but, but that, yeah, that it was that fantastic, was, nonetheless. Yeah, it was, it was a great day. I remember um, it was a weird day that because I remember what being in Rigby's in town and we watched Liverpool. They beat Norwich the day before, yeah, like earlier that day. To go like I think they went like seven points clear at the top, and it was a bit like, oh, this season's turned into a bit of a, a shit one. All things considered, you know, we thought we were going to get fourth, they're going to win the league, you know. But I think everyone just sort of went into the ground with that in mind and sort of thought, oh, do you know what? Who, who gives a shit? You know, we've got a good team, we've got a good manager. Let's just get behind these lads and, and try and stick it into Man United and David Moyes. And it just felt like, why not? It was one of those sorts of why not days at Goodison Park, and everyone sort of. I don't remember much of the second half. I don't know about you, lads. The, the first half, obviously, they, they tore into them. Ron played on the on the right hand side again, and, and we sort of, you know, we get the um, we get the goals to, to go ahead. But the second half is one of those halves of football in, in a big game, and I just don't really remember anything happening at all. No, it, was, it wasn't really much of a spectacle. I think the real spectacle, yeah. of course, was the Grim Reaper behind Matt, uh, <laughs> David Boys and the family enclosure. Obviously, Moyes gets the sack. I mean, just to add to the narrative of the season. Uh, a week later, we lose 2 0 to Southampton through two own goals. If you can get any more Everton than that, right. painful. But um, thankfully, we weren't the only ones doing Everton that weekend. Uh, the next day, Gerard slips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bizarre. 
What a season, like... though, just the amount of insane things that went on. Yeah. And then, of course, Liverpool blow it. The the title's out of their hands. It's on Manchester. It's on us to stop Manchester City winning the Leeds the next the next week. Uh, so everyone's counting on us to do the cop to favour, and we uh, <laughs> we lose three two. It was a pretty valiant performance, to be honest. We scored two decent goals, but um, I'm not sure if that what. <laughs> was, the, the crowd was like the most dead you could see and like Gary Neville and Martin Tyler are absolutely you know devastated that Liverpool aren't going to win the league for some reason despite the fact that both Man United fans apparently yeah. but um, yeah the, the fans clearly were like yeah well our season's wrapped up we're fifth and that's what all we're going to be we're not helping you piss off you wouldn't help us yeah that's it if he hadn't beat us 4-0 he might have got the top four so yeah. you know yeah it was <laughs> It was, it was, I remember the, um, that, that Barkley goal in that game is one of the great forgotten everything goals. That's an unbelievable strike that, you know, I was watching it again today and the height and the dip he gets on, it's, it's remarkable to put Everton one nil up. But I always remember there was, there was a lot of people on the ground who were supporting Everton and wanted us to win. You know, I, I was still sort of on the mindset of if we could still get fourth and we still could at that point, then I, I want us to win. I was sort of resigned to them potentially winning it anyway. But City went 3-1 up, didn't they? And then, Rom scored a great header to make it three two, and there was sort of like an awkward cheer, and then everyone was sort of like, "Do we want us? Do we want us to go on and score again or not?" And then I remember we had a, I think Alcaraz bizarrely had a chance at the back post later on, and he skewed it, and it was a bit like, "You know, you're playing well, lads, we're enjoying this, but maybe don't score another one to just just make sure City still win." But yeah, just. That must have been the most Everton thing going, though, if Alcaraz scored the goal for us <laughs> to win them the league. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't. I was fully, no, don't, I don't want to win because all the, all the yeah. Liverpool pundits and all, like John Bishop are all like Evertonian for a day. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. All you patting on the head stuff, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, well, I, did, I said the players didn't get the memo. One player did, Tim Howard. He let that goal in on his near post. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice one, Tim. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but, um, obviously, uh, the ti- the titles then out to Liverpool's and they have to be Crystal Palace. They bottle it and all that stuff. And then the final day comes along and we wrap it up with a 2-0 away win. A whole Lucina Traore gets a one-minute cameo to round off his two whole appearances <laughs> for Everton. And, uh, of course, Lukaku and McCarthy get the goals to round off it. Very successful season as far as the Premier League era goes for us, anyway. But looking back, like what what were your what's your lasting memory of that season, guys? Like one each. Go ahead. I think it's just just from a personal point of view, it's the most fun I've ever had watching Everton. Like I, you know, like I said earlier on, I went to so many away games that season. If people ask me my favourite aways or favourite days following following Everton, it would have been in that, that campaign. A lot of them came in the season after when we got into Europe as well. So it was sort of, it was fun to live it as a, you know, a lad in the early 20s, you know, going out on the air with your mates, going to watch Everton win all the time with your mates. It was just, it was just a fantastic time. And, you know, I remember that, I remember that last day at Hull being sort of, are we going to keep Rom? What's going to happen in the summer? And when we got in, I thought this, we're going to kick on from this now. But um, it's, it's bittersweet looking back, isn't it? Because it was such a good... It really is, yeah. It was such a good season. We had such a good time following the team, and it should have been the start of something great. But unfortunately, in typical Everton fashion, it wasn't quite that. What about you, Teddy? 
Yeah, much the same, just bittersweet. I, I absolutely adored this season. This this season and obviously the season we finished fourth, but you know what, even more so this season, just because, you know, I was older and I and I, you know, I it was more recent and it was just it was easy. When we finished fourth, you knew it was with an unfashionable, you know, yeah. you know, workman like team that were playing above themselves and, and this team felt like it could go, you know, like the, it felt like we can sustain this, we can play in Europe. And obviously, you know, the season after, we absolutely, you know, you know, terrorised some teams in Europe with the players we had. We had players who were, you know, Lukaku's too good for the Europa League, especially then. And we were just, I, I, as as Matt said, bittersweet. I really, really think of this season fondly. I've, I think I was the most in love with the club that season mm. that I've ever been. Like, it's like, yeah. um, you know, your club's, you know, like a marriage, isn't it? You know, like sometimes you love them, sometimes you hate them, but you're always with them. And this season, it was just like fantastic because everything, not just how good the football was, how much we liked the players, there was all kinds. There was the, the, the Baines ice cream van is a good one, you know, that kind of thing. Just this everything. This video, that is a great show. Uh, every single little thing was well, just brilliant throughout this season. And it, it, I'll still always have, despite how sour it turned in the end, a little soft spot for Roberto Martinez for this season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You just figure seventy-two points. You know, figure me out as the team getting seventy-two points. You know, in, in this season or next season, that that is a massive achievement. And you know, I think the stats were ridiculous, weren't they? About how any team before under the Premier League era got that many points and finished in the top four. So classic Everton in that sense. But it, it it was effectively lightning in a bottle, wasn't it? And it shouldn't have been lightning in a bottle. It should have been sort of a foundation for us to, to build on. But getting seventy-two points and. You know, as much as I'm, I'm optimistic about the future and, and what's going on at the football club now, I think it'll be a long time before we see an Everton team get anywhere near that points tally again. Yeah, unfortunately. I think for me again, like I say, the, the Arsenal game for me was the high point. Obviously, my 18th birthday celebrating with my first pint that I was allowed to buy <laughs> myself in the pub, uh, raising a glass, getting up on the table. Uh, it was, like I say, very, very fond memories of that. That game in particular, it was, like I say, the high point of a season full of high points and a fantastic season, whatever way you look at it, really. Just a shame we couldn't cap it off with a top four finish, really. Just before we finish, though, I am going to read out a few comments. We asked you guys to get involved on social media and let us know what your best memories were of this season. And what we're going to do, we're going to read out a few comments from Twitter and Instagram from what you guys said. So I've got on Twitter, Christoph said, our season was incredible. The quality of the game offered too. We deserve fourth place for Arsenal as it's usual annual subscription for this place, to be fair. We could have... <laughs> it was always in their hands. We just never took it out of their hands, unfortunately, with that Palace game. A few others, I always remember going to that Palace midweek game with a chance to consolidate and we bottled it against Balassi and Co. <laughs> that was Eddie S. Lee. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Louis Ette, the 14, we, bought, we beat United at Old Trafford, Oviedo the goat. <laughs> Star of Sutherland till I die, yeah. That Southampton away game with two own goals, Oviedo goal and Gerard slip. And uh, best moments, finally, best moment is Oviedo's goal against United. That worst moment was Crystal Palace at home. And then, finally, Oviedo 1-0, beating them away. It was... Everyone seems to love the Oviedo one on social media, on Instagram in particular. So, 
Yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. We've, we've all got so many different choices, haven't we? Like the, We've all said something different, and that just says, oh, like I say, a, a season full of high points, and it's not often you get that as an Everton fan, so it's safe to say that this is really a season to cherish. Yeah. Wonderful memories indeed. But... It's time for the If You Know Your History quiz. This week, I'm going to be the quiz master and the man who conquered my good self last time. Terry is going to be going head-to-head with our first time. And Matt, can Matt pull off a debut win? Let's find out. I'll explain how it works to you guys who are new to this. It's an Everton lineup challenge. I'll read out the fixture and our two participants are going to take it in turns to give me a possible member of that lineup. The first to answer wrong forfeit and the other one's the winner. So I'm going to find something to toss as opposed to a coin. <laughs> or let, let, let's um, make it easier. I, I haven't got a coin on me. Teddy might not like me for this, but seeing as it's your first time, I'll let Matt go first. Is, are we all all right with that? I have no idea this is happening either, so, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, here, but, you know. It's, it's a bit of extra pressure. He's, got, that, then. He's got to go first. He's got to say I the first like name. I feel like a sort of like the away player in this. I should have the, I should have the disadvantage. There you go, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, what you're making, you're making the Everton, Everton players kick towards the park end in the second half. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I know, isn't it? I've always hated that. Nothing worse than going to the game and seeing that. Awful. What, seeing them all huddle and then decide to send love <laughs> the other end? Oh, just makes uh, me fume, boils me. Right, anyway. We've got... Is it a team from 13-14? It is. We're going to be going with a game from the season we've covered. We seem to be making that a habit now from these shows. So without further ado, it's time for the intense quiz music. There we are. Right. The game that we're going to be covering is FA Cup fourth round. Stevenage nil Everton 4. Matt goes first. Name one of the either starting eleven or the three used substitutes. Um, first one to say a wrong name forfeits. You're up first, Matt. Uh, Brian Oviedo. Yep, Brian Oviedo started the game and unfortunately was stretched off with a broken ankle in that game. Probably the one I think a lot of people would have gone with first there and a, a flying start out of the blocks there from Matt Terry. Your retaliation. This could be a very short quiz because I, I, I wouldn't have the age I can't remember anyone. Um, we have a winner. Very short indeed. Oh. He missed a lot of the, that season, didn't he, because of his injury? Yeah, he, he's ruptured his cruciate in October and missed the rest of the campaign. So, Bruno Coney was not even on the bench. It was very, 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 very wide of the post there. Yeah, we'll carry on anyway. We, like, one of, like one of Aruna's shots, that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. it was like one of Aruna's shots. We'll carry yeah. on, but you, you've won. Yeah, we'll so carry on. Well, let's just keep having a go. Let's try and get to the like when you put the black in pool, isn't it? She's like, we'll carry on anyway. Yeah, we'll carry on anyway. Yeah, Matt's up again. Phil Jagielka. Phil Jagielka did start the game. Teddy. Antolin Alcaraz. 
That's too wide of the post. Nightmare, what is going on? What is going on indeed? Two misses from Terry. Two, two, two shots, two misses. He couldn't write this. Awful. And, and to think I lost the quiz to this guy last week. I know. <laughs> I know. Matt? Uh, Stephen Naismith. Stephen Naismith. Stephen Naismith. Yep, Stephen Naismith played the whole game. Terry. Leon Osman. Osman replaced Ovier, though, after he was stretched off. So, at last, he's off the mark. Leon Osman oh. came off the bench. I reckon that means Gareth Barry might have gone to left back. So, I'm going to say Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry did start the game and play the whole game. Teddy's deep in thought here. And I've already lost. I don't know why I'm taking so much time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Hibbert. Tony Hibbert did play full game. Matt? Uh, Kevin Morales. Kevin Morales played 81 minutes. Joel Robles. Joel Robles was the starting keeper, played the whole game. Oh, that's going to be my next one. <laughs> so... We've got Joel, Hibbert, Jags, Oviedo, Barry, uh, Ozzy, came on, Morales. Uh, I'm going to go Stephen Pienaar. First one wide of the post for math. Stephen Pienaar, was, it was the midst of the injury crisis when Stephen uh, Pienaar was one of the casualties. No appearance for Stephen Pienaar, so it's 2-1 on the miss front. Teddy, John, want to claw one back? John Stones? John Stones played the whole game. Uh, of course. So we've got... Aidan McGeady? Aidan McGeady played the whole game. God. He's probably blowing out of his arse, but he played the whole game. Yeah. But great in those jeans when he was announced. <laughs> I know. Was he? Was he? He must have been only recently signed at this point. Because I think this might have been his debut, actually. Yeah, possibly. So we've we had we've had Hibbert, Stones, Jags, Oviedo, Joel, for Barry, Osman came on, um, Naismith, McGeady. Hmm. Barkley. Ross Barkley didn't play any part in this game. Another miss from Terry there. He wasn't even on the bench. McCarthy? James McCarthy played the whole game. This was back in the days before his injury record. Um, <laughs> took off. Play, play four games in a week then, yeah. Apart from the Palace one, obviously. But yeah, James McCarthy was definitely on the list. Darren Gibson? Darren Gibson was another one like Coney who was out for the whole season with a crucial injury. Darren Gibson, wow. There's a throwback in there. Yeah. Did Rom get on? Rom didn't get on, he was an unused substitute. I'm trying to think who else we had. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, just, I'll just find out how many have got left to get through. Um, Got three more. What date was this again? Sorry, it was January 2014. 
FA Cup fourth round. Is it my go or Teddy's? Mine, I think. It's Teddy's go. But I can't think of any more players. Um, Gerard Delafeu? Gerard Delafeu was also on the injury list at the time. He didn't play a part. Wow. Um, Distan? Distan wasn't even on the bench. Oh, God. This is one of the best. I'm not going to lie, John. points this season. Oh, <laughs> Honestly, I think John's played an absolute blind to giving you this one. This is one of the biggest curveballs of the whole season, this game. We got all the, so we haven't got all the lads who started, have we, either? We've got one starter missing and two subs missing. I'm just trying to think of the team we've named now and see who's missing. One of them's quite glaringly obvious. I don't know. I can't think. I've gone blank. I can't even like put a random one in. I don't know. You've got Joel, Hibbert, Stones, Jags, Oviedo as your back four. Barry played, McCarthy played, Morales played, McGeady played, Barley didn't play, Naismith played. Seamus Coleman? No, no Seamus Coleman either. But what, if I told, what, what if I told you prior to his injury that Oviedo wasn't in the back four? Oh, Baines, of course, yeah. yeah. Baines started, played the full game. And, right. and what if I told you the two substitutes both scored? Jelovic? Jelovic had already left by this point. Oh, he gone, yeah, yeah. Two very rare goal scorers in fairness to you. I do not know. Give up. Someone like Velios. Velios didn't actually, was an unused sub. But the, oh, I, I, I mean, we, we've already got the win and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm ready to be I'm not going to lie. Sorry. What positions did he play? One was a winger and one was a centre-back. Winger. Oh, I don't know. I've named all the centre backs. Heitinger played his oh, final oh. game for Everton and scored. A winger. God. I think I'm. I think I'm done on the winger. Yeah, I think everyone's done on the winger. It's hard to remember that he's even still here at this point. But the fourth goal that night was scored by Magai Gay. Oh wow! I thought he was gone. Yeah, he was still he was still there. I think it was might have been one of only two appearances that season, and he scored. God. But I tell you what, fair play to John. I think he's played an absolute blinder with this one. This is probably the hardest game to get the line up for the whole season. He's played an absolute blinder there. So fair play to you, John. But of course, we have our winner. And it's the debutante, Matt Jones, who's, who's going to sign us off. He, he, he wins the quiz and he gets to choose the song which plays us out on the podcast. So if you'd like to pick a song and explain why, so we're allowed to use it for copyright reasons. 
it's not, it's not strictly explain why. You just need to tell us a bit of why you like the song so we can use it. You don't have to go add in. Here's why I've picked it. I um, I will sign us out with um, Neil Diamond's Forever in Blue Jeans because I remember some fans made up a song to this on the way back from one of the away games that season about Roberto Martinez changing it from Forever in Blue Jeans to Bobby Brown Shoes, babe. So I will pick Neil Diamond, Forever in Blue Jeans. Class. Very well. Forever in Blue Jeans. It is to finish off the show. And that that, that is the end of the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us for the first time on the Toffee Blues. We'll have you back on very, very soon. Anytime, I really enjoyed it. It's been absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, to our own Terry McAllister, who's always on the show. You will have him back very soon. Anytime, guys. Nice one. And until next time, enjoy your isolation. Stay safe and thank you for watching for watching or listening wherever you are on the Soppy Blues. I'd like to say we do okay forever in blue jeans. Baby tonight. Nothing will